Well, welcome everyone to the Carry Oncast. This is the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where we talk about the upcoming texts uh, for the week ahead. And wow, this is a good week because it is Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Listen to those sleigh bells. Yes. It's Christmas time. We do in here. Yeah, when you have a percussionist on your pastoral team, you get to hear those sleigh bells ringling. Ring, t- ring, 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 too. Yeah, something yeah. like that. That's right. I, I don't, I'm just a drummer. I'm <laughs> just a drummer. At any rate, hi, I'm Pastor Megan Torgerson, and I'm here with. I'm Pastor Jen. Pastor Jay. Hey, it is so good to be with you. Merry almost Christmas to all of you. Uh, and we're going to talk about two texts today. We're going to talk about the text that we hear on Christmas Eve, which should be no surprise to anyone because my goodness, it is the text we pretty much hear every Christmas Eve. So it gives us a chance to, to reflect on it as each year goes by. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to talk about the text from Sunday, December 25th, because this year Christmas Day is a Sunday. So folks, uh, if you are a worshiper here at Easter, just a note that on Sunday the 25th, uh, we will only have one worship service, recognizing that it's Christmas Day and people have, you know, things going on. So 945 at the Hill will be the only worship service that we will have on Sunday the 25th. Just keep that in your heads. Uh, But we're going to talk about both the texts, because why not? That's right. Both of the texts, both of the Christmas uh, narratives. And there are not four. There are only two, even though we have four Gospels. That's something to point out. Matthew and Luke (laughs) tell the story of the birth of Jesus. John has a kind of Christmas narrative, maybe we would say. The light came into the world that, that, you know, talking about John the Baptist uh, more so, but but really the Christmas stories are in Matthew and Luke. Right. Yeah, when it comes to our familiar favorites, the shepherds, the angels, the magi, it's all in Matthew and Luke. And as you'll hear, it's not all of it in any one account. It is right. split between the two, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, quiz your family with that fun fact at, at Christmas Eve supper this week. Ask them where the wise men are. Which gospel has the wise men? Ooh. They might be surprised. Ooh. <laughs> the answer will su- roll their eyes at you. Yeah. <laughs> My family That's rolls right. their eyes at me. You can be all clickbaity with it That's and be right. like, what gospel are the magi in? The answer might surprise you. <laughs> I'll say, let's move on. <laughs> Can you just can you just slice the ham? Please? I did see on Facebook today an ELCA pastor likes to start a Bible study around this time of year with um, a game called "That's Not in the Bible." Yes. Just naming things that people you know think of with the Christmas story that are not actually in the Bible. So today we'll really read the text, read the Bible to find out what it says actually. Yeah, and so let's start with with Luke chapter two. Uh, the, the lesson that we'll hear on Christmas Eve will be uh, the whole Christmas story all the way through verse 20. We're just going to split it up into a couple of different pieces. Uh, so I wonder if, if Pastor Jay, if you might read the first section of Luke's gospel for yes, us. Yes, this is from Luke chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place in the guest room. 
Gestrum. Yeah. 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 So That's a new uh, 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 translation. I have the, the NRSV. U-E, U-E updated, uh, updated edition. edition. What, yeah. Do you have the old NRSV? I have the old NRSV. And it still says the there N. there was no place for them in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It so, is kind of amazing how attached we get to some of those words. Guest, guest room? In? Who cares? <laughs> yes, they, couldn't, right. they didn't have a room to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it doesn't sound like Christmas unless you say... No room in the end. end. That yeah. is a that is a hard one to, to change there. Like changing a little town of Bethlehem. You wouldn't change the words to that <laughs> to update it. But uh, but it is interesting yeah. to think about uh, the way houses were set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would have been a room in most uh, houses for guests because hospitality was such a virtue, so, so important in that in that culture, in that time and place. Um, so. You know, it would have been expected that there would be a place. They didn't. They didn't make reservations ahead of time when they went to to visit. They would count on the hospitality of the people who lived there. Uh, but in this case, they didn't have a place. And then they didn't go like out back to the barn. We might have that picture in our mind. But instead, there was a place in the house in that same structure designated for animals and that's then where they stayed so it was in the house most likely um but uh in in a place uh designated for animals instead of for people so right and and we have this image i think due to art and uh christmas carols of mary and joseph walking up to a hotel uh mary definitely riding a donkey uh, and an innkeeper saying, I'm sorry, there is no room for you in the inn, but there's, I, I can let you stay in my stable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to point out, no such exchange exists. There's no such mention of like a, you know, a, a hotel or an inn explicitly, kind of like you were saying, Pastor Jay, such a thing was maybe not mm-hmm. very common. Um, and there's definitely no mention of a donkey. No donkeys mm-hmm. or camels. No yeah. mean innkeeper. Yeah, no. I know that does make for great pageants, though, and it great stories. It makes for much and better. The, uh, the Las Posadas, yep. if yep. you've participated in that, and that whole drama of going door to door and being, you know, told no. That the Holy Family told no again and again, and then finally finding a place in in a manger. It is a a good story. It I still support it. Story. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I think it's important to recognize, too, that even as we read these stories and go, that's not in there, um, it's okay to read between the lines. You know, it's okay to build the story within the story as long as you're, as long as you're being honest that, that what you have created is not actually here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the, the power of tradition. That's the power of, uh, of music and and decorations, all the things that come on top of a Christmas celebration. Uh, and that's okay. I'm not mad about those things. You're not like a heretic for thinking about an innkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not here. And those stories, oh, sorry, Pastor. Well, and part of biblical you know, interpretation for centuries has been reading between the lines. Yes. Being creative with yeah. it and, and imagining the stories in different ways with different characters, whatever it may be. Uh, so that is a part of our historical interpretive Absolutely. tradition. Yeah. Absolutely. But I like that you're also saying you need to know what is in the Bible before you expand on it. Like yeah. it's probably helpful to know where to start and then, yeah. 
have and, an idea of how you would expand it. Yeah. And when you're expanding, to remain faithful to the message of the gospel, which I think those innkeeper stories or in, in Latin America, the Las Posadas stories are. They are they're, they're emphasizing that this is a vulnerable birth. This is not the kind of birth we would expect for a messiah, for a king. Um, and, and that's, I think that's important for the gospel writer here, Luke, especially because the gospel begins talking about Caesar Augustus and Quirinius as the governor of Syria, these, the, this kind of uh, the, the, the big view of the powerful at the time, and then it zeroes in on Jesus and his birth in a manger, which is, is, is really stands in, in stark contrast to these other rulers like Caesar. For example, yeah, the writer of Luke really wants to give us context here. Yeah, there, it's these few verses are so packed with like this is what's happening, you know, politically. This is what's happening socially, culturally, and then you've got here's what's happening with this is where Joseph's coming from, his family, and then you've got a pregnant, unmarried woman with Joseph about to give birth. I mean, it's like after every one of these verses, you could say. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Not like this. <laughs> Not here. like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just seven verses there. Well, and then let's continue. As long yeah. as we're talking about things that are remarkable and and sort of unbelievable and even things that really contrast the the biggest of the big with the most lowly. Uh, let's continue through the the Christmas story. Uh, mm-hmm. let's hear more from Luke 2. Let's start with verse 8 and read all the way through to verse 20 and keep hearing some of these familiar words. Pastor Jen, would you read for us? Yes. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I just want to point out that there's a a series of memes if you're in a kind of theological circles online where uh, angels appear to people and say, I keep telling them not to be afraid. Why are they so afraid? <laughs> but then they actually are representing the angels, not like we will see them on our Christmas cards or the tops of our Christmas trees, but the ways they're actually described in the Old Testament, which is like with a dozen wings and a dozen, dozen eyes mm-hmm. and inflaming balls of fire, you know, horrifying, <laughs> terrifying, otherworldly creatures. Um, and that makes more sense when I hear every time an angel starts their message with, do not be afraid because if some like glowing flaming ball of eyes and wings appeared before me, I would 
I would lose it. I would lose <laughs> all of it. And someone, even that thing speaking to me saying, do not be afraid. I'd be like, you've just made it worse. <laughs> I'm even more terrified now. <laughs> yeah. Not only are you an angel, but you look creepy. Yeah. Yes. And, so you're, good. and you're telling someone to not be afraid. Never in the history of fear <laughs> has someone been less afraid by being told to be not afraid. Yes. So it's, it, God bless those angels, man. Right, they're doing their yeah. best. They're, they're, they're working on trying to understand humans. And then there's these shepherds, right? And I think um, I think it's easy for us to romanticize them. You know, oh, they're you know, hardworking people, and you know this is. And um, I think we we read a lot into what it means to be a shepherd. I think it for me it's enough to know like they're working the night shift. Yeah, they're tired. Mm-hmm. It's probably cold. It's it's risky work. You're trying to protect sheep from um, you know, from thieves and from wolves, things that stand uh, to be risky to you too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's people doing hard work at mm-hmm. a time when most people are sleeping. Um, well, and the angels don't come to Caesar. No. Uh, somebody who's already in power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They come to the shepherds who, like you said, are just going about their day and night. Yeah. 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 Doing yeah. their thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I did. A, I remember doing doing a Easter sermon, uh, Christmas sermon one time uh, years ago. I don't remember exactly how it went, but I started out talking about these shepherds and how they're dirty and smelly, marginalized people, you know, out, living outside of uh, polite company and uh, yeah, these these people who were, were looked down upon. And then in the sermon, um, somebody, we had planned this ahead of time, a member of the church dressed up as a shepherd, walked in and interrupted and said, hey, I take exception to all of this. <laughs> And uh, we tried to just make the point, well, maybe they're just ordinary people, <laughs> like you say, and uh, people that any of us could relate to. They were not kings, uh, but maybe not so uh, looked down upon or necessarily, right. but yeah. um, because they, they were people like us that uh, the angels went to to announce this good news, a good news that now is being announced to us as well. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think part of the remarkable part of this story is not just that like oh god's angels came to these lowest of the low. eh, whatever neither here nor there um what's most remarkable to me is that the shepherds actually pay attention and mm-hmm. follow the directions and follow through you know the angels basically set the sky on fire and sing and you know kind of overwhelm you and you don't go Okay, well, I'm ready for bed. I am obviously hallucinating, and it is time to be done with my day. Instead, they say, hey, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that is taking place. You know what? I would like to see more. I am curious. I, Gosh, that's just such... Mm-hmm. Such faith and such trust and such confidence. I, that part's what's most amazing to me. They went with haste. It reminds me of the Abraham story. Mm-hmm. God calls mm-hmm. Abraham in Genesis 12, and then Abraham went, uh, just just right. went right away. And then after that, after they had seen Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger, they made known what had been told them about the child. And then even Mary and Joseph, it seems, are amazed at what the shepherds are telling them about uh, the child that they just gave birth to. So even they learn more about themselves Mm -hmm. and what God is up to with their son. I just, I mean, it's so beautiful. Um, Oh, but as long as we are talking about visitors, we got to keep this party moving. We have another text. We have another story. And if you are looking at your nativity set sitting there on your mantle, uh, you will realize you are ticking characters off the list. You got Mary, you got Joseph, you got baby Jesus, uh, you got a donkey, which you've now learned is superfluous. Uh, You've got some angels, you've got some shepherds. Guess what's 
next? Well, next week we'll talk about the wise men. Oh, that the magi, right? I forgot I skipped that's ahead. That's right. We're because we I'm still too, have. I'm, too, I'm go. I'm so excited about the Christmas story <laughs> yes, right. that I can't even. So, folks, the spoiler alert: we're talking about magi next week. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so let's that's just right. talk more about. Let's just talk more about Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Should I read this one? No, this is from that. Matthew. So this right. is the other gospel uh, Christmas story from Matthew one. We have just. Uh, last week we heard the genealogy, and then this continues in Matthew 1 with the birth of Jesus. So in verse 18, it begins, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. It's, I think we forget that in Matthew there is another birth account, and the perspective is so different. Rather than this large-scale cosmic, you know, uh, angels and and shepherds in the field, and even the even the overlay of you know Caesar is demanding a census, and everyone is on the move. It's you know history and power, and it's just this little quiet story of of Joseph. Who mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the only thing we hear of him in mm-hmm. in nearly the entire Christmas story, regardless of the gospel. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of pictures like Renaissance. Uh, paintings of of the birth of Jesus show Joseph sleeping, which I think is always mm-hmm. kind of funny. Like he's just because we usually read from Luke two, we think of well, it was Joseph even there? Did he do anything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Um, but uh, in Matthew, it's because the angel comes to him in his sleep, and it's it's he has this dream because he has he had made this decision. He was going to dismiss Mary, which was like the only thing he could do apparently um, uh, because of of that she was with child and uh, so he he didn't want to uh, you know shame her publicly or make things too difficult for her so he was yeah. just going to quietly dismiss her and because legally by rights if you had found that your uh, fiance was pregnant yeah really the, there's only one reason for that and uh, if that was the case um, you did you had some options but some of them were kind of violent right, um, right. and this is this is supposed to point out to us that Joseph is a is a good man he is a faithful man he knows the law he chooses the path of, of least pain and suffering his care and love I think even for Mary is such that he's just gonna he's just gonna let her scoot away mm-hmm. um, but what he doesn't know is what no one could have known which is that the reason his his fiance is pregnant is because just like you know this angel says the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit this is the this is the son of God so don't be ashamed actually be be proud you have a yeah. you have a role to play in this there's another 
another way forward. And God, in mm. this dream, gives him the ability to imagine a different way. And that he does continue to to be with Mary and to raise this child and then sees that it is is God's son and names him Jesus. And and so the story goes a, a much different direction than, than it would have otherwise if Joseph had just dismissed her. Well, and like the shepherds, Joseph listens yeah. to yeah. the angels and actually not only listens but acts on what they say and wakes up and says, okay, things are different. I have a different path and here I go. And I think the that fact that he names Jesus feels to me like such a parental move. Like, mm. yes, I I'm believing that this is my son. Yeah, I, I will be this child's father, even though it is not biologically my child. There's just so many layers to his his learning here and, and how he's moving forward. It's it's really beautiful. It really is. And I, I also just love the, the intimacy of being able to see kind of this conversation between a between a, a, a man and an angel, right? It's this really it's this really quiet little moment uh, that reminds us that uh, God works in big dramatic ways, like you know, angels blowing up the sky, mm-hmm. and these these quiet and and still ways, like like listening to a dream, like the faithfulness of a father, like um, the just the tenderness of, of naming your child, right? Like I, that's just really those are beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my hope for you folks is that, uh, you know, in all the big stuff, all the pageantry, all the uh, jingle bells and uh, <laughs> there it is. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I was hoping for. Um, <laughs> it's, it's almost like the horse is riding away <laughs> in the mix of all of that, that you also have some time for stillness and reflection and some time for listening. Um, it's a big holiday and there's a lot going on. And uh, gosh, I hope you have some time to, to rest and listen as well. And, of course, join us for worship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But until then, folks, this is uh, the Carry On Cast. This is the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. May the road rise up to meet you.